0: Welcome, you're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is October twentieth, 2023. It's been 3,524 days since Russia's legal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 239 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. During today's podcast, you can use our Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. There are a lot of updates today. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south, and east of Ukraine, open source intelligence, our in house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro Ukrainian and pro Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission the truth. Because the truth. Let's start with the daily assessment. There are some changes from yesterday. The announced continued supply of ATAKOMS missiles into the theater of war has already forced Russia to move air assets, and other high-value targets are now at risk. The soft response by Ukraine's allies after Russian aggression on Ukraine's border will eventually lead to a significant incident that could result in military intervention. We assess that the Russian Federation's attempt to force Ukraine to utilize its reserve forces and accelerate the consumption of ammunition due to the United States military aid remaining in limbo is turning into a catastrophe for the Kremlin. Russia continues to hold the initiative in three areas of Operation AO. But the poorly executed offensives have caused catastrophic losses of personnel and equipment. On October 19, Russia may have suffered the worst single-day loss of heavy equipment since April 1, 2022. The failure of the United States House to elect a new speaker and continued discord among the ruling party in the lower house of Congress continued to put future Ukrainian military operations at risk. We further assess that the abrupt ending of US military aid will be damaging if a resolution is not reached within the next 6 to 13 days. We further assess that lawmakers are under tremendous pressure to create a resolution due to a looming government shutdown on November seventeenth and the complex global geopolitical situation. The Kremlin is using the Israel-Hamas war as a destruction in the information space, to fracture support for Ukraine further and to paint the Hamas-Israeli war as an Arab-United States and NATO war. Further, actions by Iran and its axis of resistance indicate that they now view the Hamas-Israel war as a proxy fight between Arab nations and the United States. The Russian Federation continues to stockpile missiles and drones for future large-scale attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure in anticipation of coming winter weather. Finally, while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhzhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. Today's action report starts in Kharkiv. In the Kupiansk area of operation AO, the daily reports are stuck on repeat. North of Kupiansk, mutual fighting continued near Sinkivka with Ukrainian forces back on the offensive near Liman I. To the east, fighting continued west of Orlansk and near Ivanivka, with no change in the situation. Moving on to the situation in the Donbas, we start in Luhansk. In the Svatove AO, Russian forces continue to maintain pressure on Ukrainian defensive positions. On the western edge of Novoselivske, fighting restarted, with no change in the situation. During his daily update on Marathon, Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Ova Artem Lysogor said that Russian forces were aggressive, attacking near Nadia and Makivka. A large number of armored vehicles and personnel are thrown into battle. The Ukrainian military repelled 12 assaults by the enemy in the direction of Nadia. And did not give up their positions in Makivka. South of Kremlin, the Russian Ministry of Defense armored made its daily claim of a Ukrainian offensive in the area of Dubrova. In northeastern Donetsk, mutual fighting was reported in the Klyshchivka AO, east and northeast of Klyshchivka. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, reported that Russian Aerospace Forces VKS, conducted air strikes in the area of Kurdyumivka, while Armod reported Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the same region. Next, let's talk about the situation in southwestern Donetsk, where there has been major news. In the Avdiivka AO, Russia's renewed offensive ended in disaster. Commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Ukraine, General Valery Zaluzny, visited Avdiivka and met with battalion and brigade commanders. In a video, Zaluzhny said, quote, There are no simple sections of the front in war. There are only those where it is more difficult. Now it is Avdivka. Here the enemy does not stop trying to break through our defenses and surround the city. The enemy actively uses assault units, sends a large number of armored vehicles using aviation and artillery. Despite everything, our soldiers continue to heroically repulse the attacks, destroying the enemy's manpower and equipment. Unquote. A Ukrainian battalion commander anonymously reported quote, It was hell near Avdivka today, the real thing. Tomorrow, in the morning briefing of the general staff, you will see the amount of destroyed and damaged equipment, and you will be shocked. There are already 97 confirmed units. It was even possible to destroy the Sonsipiok Toss. Columns of armor followed columns. Minimum of 5 units and a maximum of 30. Russians put a lot. And this was an attempt by the Russians to conduct a full-scale offensive using armored kulaks in three directions. Unquote. That's a big claim, but there is a lot of evidence to back it up. A prominent Russian mail blogger reported that Russia restarted its Avdivka offensive on October 19th from three directions. At the time of publication, the promised you will see was starting to appear on social media channels, and it is shocking. We have linked to three videos in our situation report showing multiple columns of Russian armor, most never reaching the forwardmost line of friendly troops, with others wiped out in the gray areas. A link is available in the podcast description. While certain Russian mail bloggers have periods when they doom-post, the number declined dramatically, with the Kremlin aggressively enforcing the so-called don't-say-war laws and arresting our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, failed Mobik, and guest of the FSB Igor Strilkov girkin to make an example. The whispers in the Russian information space about the failures at Avdivka are turning into a scream. Russian mail-blogger informant reportedly in the Avdeivka AO wrote, quote, Participants in the operation on our side report that the problems with our counter-battery are even more significant than we wrote earlier. As you know, the artillery of the Russian Federation armed forces, in principle, does not have much of the skill and almost all counter-battery combat is entrusted to the drone operators. But they are not used in the Avdivka direction. Army Special Forces are identifying the positions of the Ukrainian Armed Forces artillery, but our artillery is silent. All this creates a situation where reaching enemy positions under heavy cluster ammunition fire is already a huge feat. We know that this offensive was prepared for a single month, no reserve of ammunition was created, and the kamikaze UAV crews were not prepared. It was possible to continue to sit on the defensive and inflict significant damage on the enemy. But apparently, someone couldn't sit still. Unquote. Former private military company Wagner Group aligned, Mail Blogger shared an even darker assessment. Quote, Judging by the latest information, we are now wasting our mobile formations in attempts to break into the enemy's defenses in Avdivka. These Russian units, as well as the ammunition for them, had been accumulated and equipped since winter. And if there is no success in the near future, it turns out that they will be wasted. The enemy still has operational reserves, and their logistics distance is much shorter than ours. Judging by the enemy's video recordings, we have already lost no less equipment than they did during the entire summer campaign near Robotene. Reserves in permanent mobilization did not allow us to recover over the summer, keeping the entire area under tension. And we are constantly ground down. I see only one way out along Abdivka. Don't throw a new battalion at it every day in the expectation that this one will definitely be successful now. These are echoes of the tactics of the First World War. Unquote. Russian forces attacked in the direction of Novokolonovo and Stepove from the approaches of the Krasnohorivka plateau, suffered significant losses and lost control of several recently recaptured positions. As I previously noted, Russian forces, supported by a significant number of armored units, attacked Evdivka from three directions from Vesela in the direction of the Tarakon, from Krutabalka and Spartak, and Vodyane. None of the attacks were successful, with Russian troops suffering catastrophic losses. Russian forces also attempted to advance northwest from Vodyane in the direction of Severne and the direction of Vostochkine. Preliminary information shows that Russian troops suffered catastrophic losses. The defense is not coming without a cost, and Ukrainian casualties have increased, but are reportedly manageable. In the Marinka AO, Russian troops supported by the VKS continued their attacks in Marinka, with no change in the situation. In the Staromlinevka AU, Russian forces may be attempting to create a salient around the Ukrainian troops holding Staromajorska. GSAFU reported an attack in the direction of Zolotaniva was repulsed. While to the west, Russian troops made tactical gains northeast of Priyutne in the direction of Rivnopil. In occupied Mariupol, insurgents reported that one of the damaged Russian helicopters removed from Berdyansk by truck got stuck under the bridge on Nikopol'sky Avenue and the Russian military. A few damaged an already damaged helicopter. Do you still get in trouble? They could always send you to Avdivka. Continuing along the line of conflict in Zaporizhia, the Ukrainian commander of the operational strategic group Tavria. Brigadier-general Oleksandr Tarnavsky reported that Ukrainian forces conducted 1,434 fire missions against Russian troops, while Russian forces responded with 930 artillery strikes. The VKS conducted 29 airstrikes. South of Urichiv, the Russian counteroffensive west of Verbove ended as quickly as it started, with Russian forces losing ground. General Tarnavsky reported that Ukrainian forces had partial success, and based on open source intelligence, we adjusted the map to reflect marginal gains. Fighting continued west of Robotene and north of Novoprokopivka, with no changes to the situation. Infamous Russian soldier Alexander Majaev, who has fought against Ukraine since twenty fourteen and better known by his call sign of Babai, was killed in action near Novoprokopivka. In occupied Melitopol, exiled mayor Ivan Fedorov reported there were several explosions near the airfield where Russia maintains a base. There was no other information at the time of publication. Now it's time to talk about the events in the Black Sea region, including Romania, Bulgaria, occupied Crimea, Odessa and Mykolaiv. Russian state media claimed that two Russian Su-27 multirole fighter aircraft prevented a Royal Air Force RC-135 river joint surveillance aircraft from violating Russian airspace. The Su-27s were greeted by two British Eurofighter Typhoon fighter planes, and the three British aircraft flew back in the direction of Romania. I'm going to take a guess that the author of the story hasn't heard of services such as FlightAware and ADS-B exchange. According to publicly available information, the RC-135 flew along the coast of Romania and then into international waters over 100 kilometers away from the Crimean coast. The plane then returned to base. Bulgaria and Romania have already started their joint demining efforts of Black Sea waters along their coastlines and in international shipping lanes. On September 12, the two nations, along with Turkey, announced they were creating a humanitarian mission outside of the NATO alliance to conduct minesweeping of the Black Sea. In occupied Crimea, the Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the United Kingdom believes that the Kerch-Crimean bridge has become a burden for the Russian Federation. The railroad bridge was never fully repaired and can only accommodate light trains, mostly comprised of passenger service. While the highway sections have been fully repaired, heavy trucks and fuel, even for military purposes, are not permitted to use the road. With military equipment and fuel moved by ferry, Russia has to dedicate significant military resources to create a layered defense around a bridge with significantly diminished military value. In Free Kherson, Kherson oblast Ovar Alexander Prokudin said Russia carried out 97 fire missions, firing 461 munitions, rockets, drone-delivered IEDs and bombs, striking the city of Kherson 36 times, wounding 7. The VKS continued to pound Boroslav, striking the city with 10 UMPK glide bombs. We have to balance the information we can share about the ongoing Ukrainian military activity on the left bank of the Konka river with operational security, also known as OPSEC. A geolocated drone video shared by Russian forces showed that Ukrainian troops had occupied part of Krynke. We are not sure why the video was publicly available, because it broke Russian OPSEC and the drone missed its target. The squad of Ukrainian troops scrambled away, including a soldier who was standing outside just a few meters away from where the drone hit. Ukrainian source Deep State assessed that Ukrainian forces hold a permanent bridgehead at Dachi, at the base of the destroyed Antonievsky bridge. Ukrainian forces have also established control of the railroad line from the base of the destroyed Antonivsky Zaleznychny mist, railroad bridge, and the railroad line to the bridge over the Verkhnyakonka river. Multiple Russian sources reported that fighting continued on the edge of Pishchanivka. A Russian mail blogger released a video recorded on the E ninety seven highway between Oleshke and Radensk, showing that Ukrainian artillery and drone strikes had destroyed numerous Russian armored vehicles. And yes, we'll link to the video in the rap. The highway connects to the ground line of communication, (GLOC) supply line, that leads to Poima. A Ukrainian source claimed that Russian troops had sealed off the occupied settlements of Kakhovka and Nova Kachovka. Russian forces shared a video showing homemade mortar launches currently in use to defend Krinky, further confirming the Ukrainian presence. The mortar tubes are made out of metal piping with a welded metal base. The adjustment for aiming is handheld, and the operator must hold the adjustment when firing. To put this into perspective, the world's second-best army is using homemade mortar launchers to defend a critical front against Ukrainian forces that were supposed to be wiped out in two weeks. The Mobiks and volunteer units are fighting against the Ukrainian Naval Infantry, which recently completed six months of training with the British Royal Marines, and is equipped with NATO weapons and equipment. Shaigu Gerasimov, where are the motor launchers? Russian male blogger Ramana Flight complained about the equipment deficit in the Kherson AO. Quote, to say that our artillery suffers greatly from first person view and enemy drone operators is to say almost nothing. If our army still needs artillery, the problem must be solved systematically, on a large scale, and quickly. Before I talk about theater-wide events, a quick footnote. We are covering the Israel-Hamas war and have started situation reports available through our Patreon. $5 a month gets you in-depth information about the Russia-Ukraine and Israel-Hamas war. There is a link in the podcast description. And now on to theater-wide events. Russian President Vladimir Putin traveled to Rostov-on-Don to meet with the Russian Federation Armed Forces Chief of Staff Valery Gerasimov at the Southern Military District headquarters. General Gerasimov told Putin that the joint group of troops under his command are completing their assigned task quote, according to the plan. Unquote. If the plan is to throw themselves repeatedly into Ukrainian defenses at Avdivka and suffer World War II casualty numbers and equipment losses, it's a solid plan. Since the start of October, the VKS has dropped more than 700 bombs, with most of the ordnance Fab 500 SE or MPK glide bombs. Russian engineers have solved the issues of weight and unexpected detachment, improved accuracy, and started large-scale production. Ukraine can't get F-16 multirole fighter planes fast enough to start to re-establish air parity. Ilarion Pavluk has been named the new deputy minister of defense for the press and information department. Pavluk is a former military officer with the main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, Uhur, a journalist, writer, and producer. He replaces Hanna Malar. The United States will be supplying additional ATACOMS missiles to Ukraine on a permanent basis, including versions that will have a longer range. We guess the Pentagon was impressed with how Ukraine took five expired missiles with a book value of zero and destroyed 14 Russian helicopters that will cost $160 million to replace. U.S. President Joe Biden made a national address explaining why it was vital for the U.S. to continue to support Ukraine. It is widely expected that the White House will request $60 billion in funding earmarked to provide military aid to Ukraine through the 2024 fiscal year, which technically started on October first. And that's today's report. I'll be back on Sunday with the weekend update. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.